This is what it says in Mark 4 and verse 36. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. I suppose it's a strange title, but I'm going to title this lesson, Joseph Meister Lived. God bless you. You may be seated. I have been a very blessed person in so many ways, and I owe it all to the church. And um, my mom and my dad and the way I was raised and being blessed to be able to travel and speak. It's given me uh, a lot of wonderful memories and there's a lot of wonderful things that I've been able to see. I'm in a box up here, fellas. And um, um, there are things that I want to see. Uh, I've always wanted to visit the Great Pyramid of Giza. Just thing has always fascinated me. At least 4,000 years old. 100,000 people worked on it for 20 years. Amazing. But if I asked you who built it, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, I doubt if... Many of you would remember a man by the name of Khufu. It's not your average household name, you know. I was in Agra years ago in India and went to the Taj Mahal. And uh, a tribute to a life of a leader. Shah Jahan, they say. Great Wall of China largest man-made structure in the world who was its architect <laughs> have you ever heard of the name of Gutzon Borglum who was the man responsible for Mount Rushmore I, I can carry on this interrogation for a long time but usually the answer is going to be the same silence as these last questions have received. Amazing accomplishments, and yet their creator's names have been lost to time. He had just finished this amazing lesson. In Mark 4, Jesus told his disciples you are going to have the blessing of being able to know the mysteries of God. But all of the others, he said, they're just going to get parables. Jesus would tell these stories, parables, and they always had a double meaning. The reason he did it was he was basically flying under the radar. And um, he was on the clock, and he knew that he couldn't afford 
getting these religious people stirred up prematurely. And so, even if you look at his first miracle at Cana of Galilee, he's 30 years old. And I'm so sure Mary was frustrated, probably like I am now. I mean, she knew <laughs> he was special. She knew he didn't have an earthly dad. Joseph disappears somewhere between Jesus and the age of 12 and 30. Most people believe he died and Jesus was probably raised by a single mom. She's at this wedding and she says, they're running out of wine. Would you please do something? This is what he said to her. Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. If you read that story closely, he, he did turn the water into wine. And then basically went into hiding for probably two weeks. On the feast day, he cleansed the temple. I always thought that's the way he intended to begin his ministry, by cleaning up the church house. But he gave in to his mom, turned the water into wine. Lots of times during his ministry, he would heal somebody of some um, horrible situation. And he would say, don't tell anybody I did this for you. And there were places where the guy couldn't stand it. And it said he unwisely published it. So it's, it's obvious Jesus wasn't in the ratings game. He, he wasn't trying to get famous. And, and this is just one of those things. He, he, he's got a mixed crowd. He's got hungry people, and then he's got all the, the critics and the religious people that are just waiting for him to trip up. And he says, you know, this guy had a bag of seed, and he started broadcasting, sowing the seed. Some of it fell on a path, and birds came down, and picked up the seed and flew off with it. And some of it was in ground with a lot of rocks, so it never did grow at all. Some of it was started to grow, but there were a lot of weeds. Nobody got rid of the weeds, so the weeds choked it. And some fell on some really good ground. And, uh, and he said, okay, that's the lesson. You can go home. And, and the religious people are scratching their head and wondering, well, what, what in the world was he talking about and when they were all gone Jesus says okay I'm going to tell you what's, what, what this is about the seed is the word and, and I described four kinds of hearts that the seed is going to fall on some people are just like that hard path one, one of the greatest messages I ever heard in my life was by an old a great preacher by the name of George Glass. And he preached a message called Satan Among the Saints. 
Everybody thought that was so strange, but he proved this point with this parable. Because when Jesus told the parable, he said, a bird flew down and swiped the seed and took, flew off with it. But when he explained the parable to his disciples, he said, then cometh Satan and take the seed. If you were Satan and you wanted to get your agenda across in this city today, you don't have to worry about the bars. You don't worry about the dens and the dives. Everything's going according to plan in those places. There's really only one place in a city that has the potential to mess up his ambition, and that's the church. So don't ever doubt it. Satan goes to church. Things are funnier in church than they would be anywhere else. It's easier to get distracted in church. It's, it's the bird that comes down. Some people just got a lot of rocks. <laughs> a lot of rocks. Other people got weeds. In that famous chapter in Romans 8, it says, For I am persuaded that neither angels, principalities, powers, things present, things to come, nor life, nor death, nor height, nor death, nor any other creature. But it always interested me there that he said, neither life nor death. Because I think there will be people that won't serve God just simply because of life. Going to the grocery store, have to cut the grass, have to wash the car, have to do this on all somewhere between 10 and noon on Sunday. Just got to do it. Then there's good ground. Put that seed in there, the roots go down, things spreads branches, and he says 30, 60, 100 fold. Great lesson. Apparently the crowd was so big, he, they put him in a boat and they pushed the boat back from the shore a little bit so that he could be heard better by the crowd. When he gets done, this is what he said. Let's go to the other side. And so they, they, they're on the Sea of Galilee, apparently, and they, they push off to go to the other side. If you know your Bible, that's where Gadara is. That's where the two men with these spirits are going to meet him. So he's got an appointment on the other side. Halfway across, a huge, horrible storm blows in. Too far out to quickly get back to where you came from. Not far enough across to know the safety of the harbor on the other side. You're in the middle. Now, we, we know at least a third of those original followers, those, those 12, at least four of them were fishermen. Peter, his brother Andrew, James, his brother John. Uh, we, we know Matthew was a tax collector. That's pretty much it. We don't know the livelihood of, of the other seven. But what we do know is that it wasn't just the people who weren't fishermen. Apparently, 
all of them are afraid. And these are guys that have spent a lot of their life on the water. And they go down and Jesus thinks this is the perfect opportunity to take a nap. And he's down there asleep and they come down terrified and say, don't, don't, you, don't you care? We're fixing to die here. And he asked them this great question. He said, where's your faith? When you think of it, it's a great question because either, either you were going to have faith in him or you were going to have faith in the storm. You were going to have faith that he was going to save you or the storm was going to kill you. And the truth is they had more faith in the storm killing them than they did in him saving them. And he gets up and in my crude way, he just kind of goes, you know, hey, I'm trying to sleep down here. And the wind says, oh, it's the master. It says he rebuked the wind. Doesn't say rebuke the waves. He, he rebuked the wind. If, if, if you fix the wind, you don't have to worry about the waves. Don't, don't, Jesus never, it wasn't about fruit, it was root. Axes laid to the root of the tree. Deal with the cause, not the effect. And these men are, have forgotten something very important. I'll read it to you exactly. This is what he said in 4 and 35. Let us pass over unto the other side. It's a little play on words, but if Jesus said we're going over, we're not going under. And, and when you read the New Testament, there are only two storms that are recorded in the New Testament. This one and that other one where he asked Peter to walk on top of the waves. And in each of these storms, he, he said two different things. This one, you know, he said, don't be afraid. And with Peter, he let him know, it's me. It's really me. Others said, it's a ghost. Pete said, no, it's not a ghost. It's, it's the Lord. Because if you know that story, Jesus fed thousands of people. And they're munching on this miracle bread and fish. And he goes, okay, it's time for commitment. And he said, the same way that you're eating this bread and fish, you're going to have to take me into your life. And make me just as much a part of your spiritual life as this food you're eating is dealing with your fish. And all of a sudden, he's, he said, 5,000 men just got up and left. <laughs> Jesus turns around to his disciples and he said, are you going to leave too? If you do, go. Just go. I'll get another dirty dozen somewhere. And Pete, of all the, the loud mouth in the bunch, where are we going to go? We left everything to follow you. And before he can finish his little diatribe, Jesus said, let me, let me, let me make, get something really clear with you, Pete. No man has left anything for my sake that he's not going to get paid off a bunch more. Houses, lands, family. And then he said this, who in this life should receive a hundredfold which is Greek language for 10,000 times more, and in the world to come, everlasting life. 
So not only are you going to get a payday here, but you're going to get a great payday there. And, and then you have this story of this second storm. And, and, and you know, I mean, Pete, he's already seen the resurrected Christ two times. And yet even after that, he said, I'm going fishing. And he doesn't mean I just need a little break and I'm going to go fishing for a couple of days. He means I'm going back to what Jesus called me from over three years ago. And he's on this boat, which he told Jesus he no longer has. And Jesus comes walking over on top of the water. And the other guy say, man, I think it's a ghost. And Pete says, no, it isn't, man. It's the Lord. He found me. It's like, nice boat you got there, Pete. Yeah, got it at a yard sale last week. Really? Well, you told me you... Got rid of all your boats, so let's really get rid of them. Come here. <laughs> you, you mean now? Yeah, right now. Come here. And it, it, it's a great story of him walking on there because Jesus let him know, I'm not a ghost, it's me. And whenever I read that, I think it's a wonderful lesson that you can get if you're in a storm. There's two responses don't be afraid. I'm with you. And if you hear something other than that, I don't have any Bible for that. Because you see, the disciples allowed the storm on the outside to get on the inside. Jesus, who's the Prince of Peace, took the peace on the inside and transposed it to the outside and literally changed the weather. He rebuked the wind. And, 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 this is a well-known story in the Bible, but then I found this verse. It said, and when he had sent the multitude away, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships, which tells me that when he, he it must have been a pretty big boat for him and his dozen. And if there was a captain or whatever, they're going to the other side. It's, 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 it's. Got room for at least 13, maybe more. It's a pretty big ship. But when he pushes out, there's all these people that follow him. And they got little boats, man, fishing boats, canoes. Let's go. We're going to follow Jesus. And they're out there in the middle of this lake, the sea, when this storm rolls in. And if the disciples in the bigger boat are terrified, I wonder... How terrified are the other people in the little boats? It was a bad day. But when Jesus brought peace to that storm, not only did it fix the problem of their boat, but it fixed the problem of everybody else's boat. There's an old statement that says, a rising tide affects all vessels. And, and this is what we're dealing with here. It's if, if you're here and you're in a storm of your life right now, it's, it's very important that you wake him up. And he's just like, Jesus, you got to help me now. Because if you go down, I got bad news for you. There's other things that are going to go down as well. Daddy. You gotta, you gotta get, you gotta get some peace in your life. Because if your life goes down, what about your kids? 
What about your wife? Mom, what about your family? There's a lot of people watching you right now that you're underestimating the power of achieving peace in your own troubled life. Only the Lord can do that. And, and, and it's so critical. When you, in Acts 16, I've a story for years that's always amazed me. Paul and Silas get arrested. They go to prison and they're singing. They're singing in prison. And, 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 the, and God sends an earthquake. And there's this great verse in, in Acts 16 and 26. It says, and all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. Which, which is fascinating to me because you, you, you've got Paul and Silas that know God, but they're bound. And you've got everybody else in the prison that cons and crooks and criminals that don't know God and they're bound. But when freedom came to the bound people that knew God, everybody benefited. Freedom came to the bound people that didn't know God. My message is simple. Their freedom depends on your freedom. We claim to serve God. We can't afford the luxury of being bound. We can't afford the luxury of being tied up and chained. And so you pray constantly, Lord, come against every obstacle and every enemy and every opponent and every hurdle and every high thing that would like to exalt itself above you. Jesus, we, we need a breakout here. We need a breakthrough. I've heard people say that, 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 that the anointing will break the yoke. It's not what it says. The anointing destroys the yoke. It's just, it's just Josh Blasick told me, I, I, I got something for you. And he was helping us move boxes out of house a couple of days ago. And he looked around and said, I don't think this is the time for me to bring it to you because you don't need any more stuff. And all these boxes. We, I told Renee early this morning, I said, let's not move again for a long time. It's just what a pain it is to move. But Josh said, I, I, got you, I got you a yoke. I got you a yoke. And if you've ever seen them, they're not single. They're always doubles. That's why Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. Why? Because he's in the other side doing most of the heavy pulling. And you and I just happen to be coming along for the ride. Amen. There is another. There's another yoke. It says, my way is easy. That way's hard. Going to hell, it, it, it ought to be hard. It ought to be hard to go to hell. Not serve the Lord. The way of a transgressor's hard. Not the way of someone righteous. Serve Him with joy. Put a smile on your face. Don't act like seven mother-in-laws moved in with you last week, for goodness sakes. It's just, it's just, man, I, I've seen people in church and they're just miserable and saying, for goodness sakes, man, this is not supposed to be a life of misery. This is supposed to be a better way. Going to hell ought to be hard. Not serving the Lord. And it's just, I, I, I was always fascinated. There's this guy, Louis Pasteur. He was a hounded as a young doctor. Because he, he was constantly trying to tell physicians in France, you need to wash your hands. You, you need to sterilize your instruments between surgery. And they got mad at him and said, who, who in the world do you think you are to tell us how to live? 
It was so bad that politicians were causing, they wanted him to be beheaded. Guillotine. It was that bad. And, and he's trying to get his message across. And, and all the time he's, he's doing these experiments and, 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 and he was trying to deal with anthrax. And, and so he, he developed this anti-venom for anthrax. And, and, a, and a farmer had sheep, a, sh a flock of sheep, 50 of them. And so Louie inoculated 25 of them and left the other 25 without a vaccine. And, and the 25 that, that he, 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 he inoculated, they all, they all survived. And the 25 that he didn't died. And it wasn't that much longer that this, this lady knocks on his door and said, my little boy Joseph got bit with a dog that had rabies. He's nine. And, and I've already taken him to the doctor. And he knew what that meant. They, they, they called it carterize, which means they would take a, a, a poker and put it in a fireplace and heat it till it's, it's red or white hot. And then like branding a cow. They just take this, this molten piece of metal and lay it on this place where, where you've been bitten by this rabid animal and that was supposed to fix it. But Louis Pasteur knew it wasn't going to work. And, 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 and he's trying to reason with Mrs. Meister and she said, look, we all know what you did with the sheep. If you were willing to save a sheep, you ought to be willing to save my boy. And I'm asking you to help me. And, 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 but what he had tell, told nobody, he was working with, with rabbits and rabies. And he had what he thought was an answer. So they bring this nine-year-old kid named Joseph Meister, and he injects him 12 times. And guess what? Yahoo! Louis Pasteur went on to be known as the father of immunology. The, the, the guy who, who, you know, dealt with cholera. The guy who's famous for penicillin. Which uh, Joseph Joseph uh, Marshall told me today. I, I he had a great analogy. He said penicillin is kind of like the ibuprofen of drugs, Pastor Robin. It just deals with a lot of stuff. And Louis Pasteur is famous. But when he when he when he was dying, he called one of his family members and they 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 asked him, "What do you want on your tombstone?" And he said, "I, I only want three words." And they're thinking, okay, father of immunology, you know, uh, cholera, anthrax, pit, whatever. No, he said, I just want you to put three words on my tombstone. Joseph Meister lived. That's all I want. Because that's the thing I'm most proud of. That we took a step of faith in this little kid, because he already knew this kid is going to be bending over in unbearable pain, frothing at the mouth, finally drift off into a coma and die. But because he, he was this gifted doctor, he was willing to take a step of faith. You, do you realize that so many, I don't, I don't know, I'm sure Sajith could, could tell it much more detailed and better than I could. But I, I know in time, I don't know what they do today, but in times past, if, if they had a problem a lot of times, they would eject it into a host animal. Many times a horse, a strong beast, and it would develop antibodies and they take that out. And so, you know, if you're going to deal with polio, then you get polio vaccine. But it really was polio. <laughs> We've got this COVID vaccine coming. I'm going to tell you what you're going to get. And, and, and it's so powerful because 
isn't that what happened on the cross? That, that we took this horrible thing called sin and injected it into a much stronger host who had the ability to overwhelm and override. What, I mean, what does it feel like to be a rapist? I don't know. And I don't ever want to know. What's it, what's it feel like to molest kids? I don't know. What's it feel like to be on death row because you lost it and killed a couple of your loved ones? I don't know. But I do know this. He was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. But the Bible said, he that knew no sin was made sin for us. And into this pure person was injected. No wonder he's at that place. I don't want to drink this cup. I don't. Strong crying and tears. What a prayer meeting that he went. Would you, would you wait with me for an hour? And the Bible said, after an hour he came back, they were all asleep. And he, went, and he said, could, could, could you wait with me for just an hour? And then he went back to what was the second hour of prayer. And that was when he prayed that prayer. I would encourage you have, you, have you ever gone beyond an hour? Have you ever got to a place where you lost track of time? To where you, you, that, that first hour is just kind of weeding out and flushing out all the junk in your spirit. That, 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 that there's a blessing in the second hour to where you just stay there until finally your will is wielded. And all of a sudden it's not my will but thine be done. Something amazing happened in that garden and the Lord was willing to take every one of our flaws and faults and all the stupid stuff that we've done in our life and the Bible said He ingested it into Himself, dying, burial, resurrected, coming out by His own power and His own authority. Man, please tell me, who in the world built the Giza Pyramid? I don't know. Who built the Wall of China? I don't know. But I'm telling you now, 2,000 years later, I know the name of Jesus who did something so much greater than the pyramid or a wall. He took this stain off of my life. He gave me peace that passes understanding. He's sitting right over there. He just buried his mother. But ask him if he's full of anxiety. Ask him if he's full of doubt and dread and horror and terror. Is there sorrow? Yes. But it's, we don't sorrow as others who have no hope. Go ask Aaron Austin if there's peace. That you, you, Your brain says you ought to be full of despair. But your spirit, the Bible said, underneath are the everlasting arms. Because that is the life of Jesus. That he's not in this just to fix his own problem. He knows that by fixing the sin issue is going to be a lot of other little ships and lives that are going to be repaired and are going to be made better. And the same way that he's done that for us, we can do it for someone else. Don't live your life in a storm. Don't live your life one just... just Oh, for goodness sakes, what about your daughter? What about your son? What about your family? Come on, daddy. We got to have some strong men today that can get some peace in this storm. Ah, oh, Jesus. This is frustrating me, this stupid virus thing. I know it's real. I'm not trying to negate it and, and 
play, play, play fantasy land here. But for goodness sakes, man, you can get hit with a car. You can get struck with lightning. I, I, I met someone two weeks ago and they said, I, I, don't get close to me because I don't want to die. And, and it was at Lowe's. It was an old man who worked at Lowe's. He said, don't get close to me. I don't want to die. And I didn't say it, but I thought it. I wanted to say, I got news for you, pal. We're all going to die. <laughs> we really are. Some are going to die without faith. Some are going to die in the faith. But I'm not going to allow this, this, this fear that's trying to grab this entire world right now and just live my life. I've got a master that told me we're going over. And if he said we're going over, we're not going under. Stand. Stand. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. When you're done, when it's all said and done, are you going to be able to look back on your life and say, Joseph Meister lived. I played a role in somebody else's life and they're living right now because God used me to minister to them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come with me. Come with me. Amen. If you, if you, if you put that mask on and come up here with me, we're going to pray. We're going to pray. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. I, I, have good music in your house. Okay? Read good stuff. Watch good stuff. Laugh. <laughs> Laugh right now. Do not let this fog and this storm just so overwhelm your spirit that it just burglarizes your day. And it's just always just got this giant cloud like Linus and, and Charlie Brown's always got that cloud over him. It's like, Jesus, Jesus, it's a good day. We're on the right side of the dirt right now, okay? We've got his air in our lungs and his sanity in his mind, his strength in our body. It's just, oh, Jesus, Jesus, lift your hands and let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the privilege to just know you. That I'm not just working for you, but I'm walking with you. Jesus, please. I'm a pastor. I don't want to get so involved with working for you that I lose relationship with the very God I claim to be working for. This, is, this, this church thing is not just duty. I'm not here simply out of duress and out of responsibility. I am here because I understand the value of the church coming together. That you are magnified in the midst of a congregation. And I have no doubt, Lord, there's somebody in this room right now going through a lousy storm. And I wanted to know to not be afraid that you're there with them right now. Just as much as we are standing around you right now, the Lord standing with you right now. Jesus, and I want to live my life in such a way that it's not just about me. I want somebody else healed because of my deliverance. I want it to be my hands that get laid on somebody and they get it. I want it to be my words that give them hope. I want it to be my tears and prayer that destroy the yoke. And that last measure of devotion, that tipping point between wholeness and, 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 and just a horrible, horrible, horrible situation. Jesus, help us to not underestimate the value and the power of what each one of us bring to the devotion and bring to the dance here today. I've got the ability to bring peace to somebody else's life. 
if I just make sure that get you up and get you involved. Amen. I can't do this by my own power. We're the greatest fools in the world, Lord, if we think we're going to achieve anything of any lasting value without your help. Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap if you don't faint. Lord Jesus, we're going to stay aware. We're going to do what you said. We're going to watch and we're going to pray. In Jesus' name, Father, bless these families. Bless these children. Bless our workers. Bless our friends. Bless our neighbors. You said the whole house of Potiphar was blessed because of Joseph. You said the whole house of Obed-Edom was blessed because of that ark that was in his garage. Jesus, I, you said as you are, so are we in the earth. I'm asking you as we filter through this community in this week to come. Lord God, let there be an anointing. The shadow of Peter healed people, Lord. People touched your clothes and were healed. Father, I'm not trying to turn us into a, a bunch of megalomaniacs, but I want us to have confidence and trust that as we serve you, you're going to minister to people through our lives. And I thank you for the storm. I thank you for the storm. There's an awful lot of people that are going to have a, a much easier road because of what I'm going through with you right now. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. If you... Here we go. If you can't lay your hand on somebody, put your hand by somebody's shoulder. Amen. Let's do something biblical right now. Let's pray for somebody other than ourselves. Lord Jesus, I refuse, I refuse to just worry about me and mine. I refuse the stinginess and the narcissism of this world. I refuse, God, to just only look in the mirror and that's the only thing that's important to me. I am believing and trusting you, God, right now according to your word that you turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for someone else. So we pray for that someone else right now. Somebody else's marriage. Somebody else's family. Somebody else's job situation. Somebody else's circumstance. I'm praying for them just as adamant and just as sincerely as if it was my very own. And I have Bible, Lord, that if I'll be willing to bear the burden of someone else, you'll help me carry my burden and I won't shoulder this thing by myself. So we cast our cares on you because you care for us. You care for us, Lord. Men, the family. Oh God, if we can fix the family, we can fix the church. We can fix the church. We can fix so many things, Lord. So I pray right now and believe you, God. Hallelujah. Strengthen feeble knees, hands that are hanging down. Hallelujah. Let's thank Him together, shall we? Clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Don't just clap your hands. Clap your hands and use your mouth at the same time.
Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Don't get stuck in the storm. There's somebody on the other shore that needs you. There's a guy over there in the tombs. Never, ever, ever going to get free unless you make it to the other side. You got to get through this thing right now. Don't go down with this ship. There's a lot of other things that are going to sink if you sink. Stay afloat. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We had wonderful missionaries this week. Keep them in prayer. Amen. Military people talk about going in harm's way. These people are going in harm's way. You hold them up before God. I can't imagine taking families into some of these situations. I got Emily and Steve and Rodriguez back here. Go look at that precious little thing in that little tent down there on that seat. Four children now doing their best to get back to Malaysia or wherever God would send them. Don't you ever forget Stephen and Emily and their children. Hold them up before the Lord. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. I was so humbled this week realizing the price that people pay to serve God and I I needed reminding because I just was taking it for granted. Taking it for granted. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for coming here today. It's just been an honor to be in church with you. Amen. This is a good time to end. Good time to end. Greet one another. Say something good to your brother and your sister right now. Just encourage them. Give them a word of faith. Give them something to pick them up. Let them know that you believe in them, you're standing by them and with them. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. God bless everyone. Amen.